Welcome to the worst nightmare of all. Reality. Explore the lesser-known stories of our unknown world. Join the pursuit of the paranormal with Ash and Greg. Hello, Ash. How's it Hello, going today? Hello, Greg. I'm good. I'm good. I'm looking forward to this episode. How are you? Yeah, so am I. So am I. It's weird how um, Halloween creeps around on us. Yeah. I've just, um, it seems, so I live on a new housing estate. It's only been here a couple of years, and I've, I've been here a couple of years. And it appears that this year, now lockdown's out of the way, everybody's trying to outdo each other. <laughs> So from the 1st of October, people have been putting up um, Halloween dire- uh, decorations. And I, so I looked around, I was walking the dogs earlier. I looked at one particular house and they've got one of those projectors into one of the windows. And there's like a big creepy hand, like beckoning you with a finger. And then it changes to all these pumpkins on the, nice. on the screen. It's quite good. I was quite impressed by that. I must say, there's people with like big eyes on their doors, and people are going all out this year. So I don't know what it's like round, round by you. Uh, not seeing anything really. But like all our, the world that we live on, it's like tree lines with like hedges and stuff. So you don't actually see the front of people's houses. Okay. Um. So yeah, not really seeing anything. But this Thursday, uh, my sister-in-law's coming round. I think I mentioned a while ago trying to do like a seance on Halloween. Yes. Yes. Um, but I mean, I'm working over Halloween, so she's coming on Thursday. And so I bought a Ouija board off at Amazon um, for £12 or something. So I'm going to go into the basement, um, do a Ouija board. I tell her about the Estes Method in the Spirit Box, so let's try that. So I'm going to take all the cameras down, uh, I'll get this Ouija board out, and just spend a couple of hours seeing what's in my basement or in my building. So we're recording so. this in this. It's Thursday, so she's coming around next Thursday. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Well, following um, the stuff we've done on the podcast, a guy at my work has bought a spirit box. And he uses nice. it in his house with his girlfriend. <laughs> this is quite mad. So his brother was like, yeah, it's fine. As long as you do it in your house, not mine. <laughs> so I was ringing yeah. leave afterwards. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, cheers. Yeah, because your basement's super creepy, isn't it? Yeah, it's massive as well. Yeah. We've had a lot of rain, so it's not flooded, but it should be fine. I look. You'll have to take some photos at the very least. Oh, well, I've got to like, set up the, the uh, infrared cameras and uh, full-spectrum cameras and stuff and record yes. it all properly and see. Some sound recorders as well, and just see if we get anything. Now, if you do get anything, I'll have to arrange to come up, and we'll we'll do a full hunt in there. Definitely, bring your bring your new equipment. Yes, yeah. So by the time this episode goes out, I will I'll actually be at the ancient Ram Inn as well. So this we release these on a Monday Monday night at midnight. You'll be at the Ram Inn. I will be at the Ram Inn from 7pm on on Monday, so on 25th. So I am looking forward to that. I've got the pink teddy bear to take with me. 
and the REM pod bear that is for anybody who's not seen any of the previous stuff we've done yeah I'm a new camera so it's going to be good it's going to be good so what we're doing this week so this week is a bit like when we did the Christmas episode yeah so we looked last Christmas all them months ago and it's nearly Nearly approaching us again yeah um we did an episode where we just talked through some ghost stories that had happened at Christmas. So in the spirit of Halloween, it's everybody's favourite scary time of year. So we thought we'd do something like that again, didn't we? Yeah. Um, we will. We've been looking through, finding scary ghost stories. Some are short, some are long. We just thought we would use this episode to creep people out and get you in the mood for Halloween. Yeah, it's a few days away. You can listen to this and it's released. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so turn the lights off. Get a hot drink. And get listen to some of our spooky stories. Enjoy. So the first one goes a little bit like this. I lived in a house from hell for four years, from aged 11 to almost 16. There was constantly something happening. Doors flying open and shut, voices, footsteps. Nothing ever stayed where you put it. I was alone there a lot because my parents both worked and I was constantly terrified. One of the most gut-level disturbing things, though, was the little girl in my bathroom. Every time I walked past my bathroom door, which was constantly since it was right outside my bedroom, I saw a little girl with blonde curled hair and rose coloured dress. She just stood there staring, looking like a photograph from 1905. I started keeping the door closed so I could walk by without seeing her, but she was always there when I opened it. Once I stepped in past her, I couldn't see her anymore, but I could feel her there. She scared me but I felt really sorry for her because she was trapped there, just like me, but probably forever. As the years went by and things in the house continued to get worse, she seemed to get darker. I started feeling like she wasn't really a little girl. I knew there was something ugly in the house and I felt like it was presenting this sympathetic image to me. Then I started thinking I was completely losing my mind. One day when I was 14, I had a friend from out of town come and stay with me for a week. I hadn't told her anything whatsoever about the house because I didn't want her to think that it was too scary and she wouldn't come. Right after she got there, we were sitting in my room and she left to go to the bathroom. About a minute later, she walked back in with a puzzled look on her face and said, so there's a little girl in your bathroom. Um, Yeah, she hangs out there. Blonde hair? Girls, pink dress, yeah. You know that's not really a little girl, don't you? I almost threw up. I was so relieved and terrified and excited and ready to run out of the house screaming. She wouldn't use my bathroom for the rest of the week and I started using it as little as possible without pissing off my parents, who didn't want to believe. Eventually we moved out and I couldn't have been happier. I distanced myself from it mentally as much as I could. Then, when I was 18, I took another friend on a road trip to pack up a few things I'd left in the house. My parents hadn't managed to sell it and wouldn't for five more years. 
the minute we got in the property, my friend seemed uncomfortable. When we came around the bend in the long, steep driveway, he went completely white. I could tell something was wrong, but he insisted he was okay, so we got to work. After a while, he used he asked to use the bathroom, and I directed him to mine. Not 20 seconds after he left, he came running back in, gasping for breath, and slamming the bedroom door behind him. He started babbling about a little blonde girl who isn't really a little girl. All of a sudden, he went dead still, looked me in the eye, and very solemnly said, she's not happy with you. You left and you weren't supposed to. We threw whatever we could grab in two trips in my car after I walked him to another bathroom and waited outside the door and we got the fuck out of there at top speed. The legend of the Bodyman Bridge. The Bodyman Bridge. The legend of the Bodyman originally began in Fairfax County, Virginia, in 1970. But it's also spread throughout the Washington, D.C. and Maryland areas. The legend has many variations, but most involve a man wearing a rabbit costume who attacks people with an axe or a hatchet. Many of the stories occur around Colchester Overpass, a southern railway overpass spanning Colchester Road near Clifton, Virginia, and is sometimes referred to as the Bunnyman Bridge. The first incident occurred on October 19th, 1970, by a US Air Force cadet who was traveling back with his girlfriend and visiting family nearby. They were returning from a football game and they were parked in the field near their uncle's house. They noticed something moving outside the vehicle, and suddenly the front passenger window was smashed from outside. And stood there was a man dressed in a white suit with long bunny ears. He was screaming at them about trespassing on the land and started threatening them. The cadet quickly turned the car around and sped out of there. As they were driving away, he found a hatchet on the floor of the car. No more than 10 days later, a second sighting occurred when on a construction site, a security guard approached a man that was stored in the porch on unfinished property. The man was described as wearing a grey, black and white bunny suit and he again started shouting at the security guard about trespassing on the property. Both these incidents reported to the police and a hatchet was kept by the police as evidence. Versions of this legend vary in the apparent name of the bunny man, his motives, his weapons, his victims, and also his death. The ghost of the Bunnyman is said to come out of his place of death by the Bunnyman Bridge each year on Halloween to commemorate his passing. Few dare to go to the area at this time. Could you brave the legend of the Bunnyman Bridge? In my old apartment, my dog would, on occasion, look down the hallway towards the bedroom from the living room and growl no apparent reason. Also on occasion, when I was sleeping in the bedroom, she slept at the foot of the bed, I would wake up with her staring intently at the door and growling. She was a big girl, 140 pounds of Great Dane, of Cthulhu and Slobber. So I'm there for a couple of years of this, thinking, okay, my dog has a good ima imagination. Wrong. One night I woke up due to my dog not just growling, but barking for all she was worth. 
and not at the door. She was barking straight at me. I opened my eyes pretty much immediately and there was a blur of light leaning over me very close, certainly less than six inches from my face. It was not distinguishable as a person. It more resembled a person-sized version of a colourful nebula you might see a picture of in a science magazine. Three-dimensional and all. I immediately got the distinct impression that this thing had been watching me sleep for God knows how long and how many times before. For all the clarity of that distinct feeling, I had no sense of what it wanted, whether it was malevolent or just curious. I flipped right the fuck out, jumped backwards to the other side of the bed, too terrified to scream, and that blur of light receded and disappeared over the course of about three seconds. My dog was going absolutely ape. So shortly after, I asked the building manager if anybody had ever died there. She investigated that and came back to me a couple of weeks later with a yes. A woman had died of a drug overdose in the apartment in 1995, so approximately 12 years earlier, shortly after having her child removed from her custody because of her addiction problems. My dog still growls at the hallway from time to time, but I never saw it again. Then I moved out. For generations, children in Rivenshaw, Greater Manchester, have been issued the same warning. Watch out for the Grey Lady of Bedchill. Locals will tell you all about a mythical woman that haunts the patch of boggy land opposite Brownlee Green Methodist Church on Broad Oak Road. When it's dark and misty, she appears wearing a heavy dress that makes a quiet, but unmissable, rustling sound. It's a scare story that dates back at least 100 years. This patch of land, known as Pitnick Corner, was home to a small pond back in the day. And superstitious country folk were convinced that the waterhole was haunted. It is said that centuries ago, a mad woman escaped from captivity in the nearby castle, Castle Mill. In her dastardly, she fell into the waterhole and drowned. Another story is that it's actually a young Victorian girl, a young maid. And she also died in the bog when horse's cart fell in. If you stayed after dark, the great lady would get you. For 100 years, children were scared to play nearby in this area of land, which is about the size of a football field, because the grey lady was known to drag children and drown them underwater. Many parents use it as a reason just to get the kids to not play near the water. But in the 1980s, the council filled in the pond to make it safe. There are plans to build houses on the land, but so far, Pitney Corner remains undeveloped, where few dare to tread. When I was a kid, I would race up to the top of the stairs as fast as I could, like it was some sort of silly game. Well, I must have been five or six at the time. I'm not sure, but I know I was very little. Somewhere along the way, a voice at the top of the stairs started to whisper to me. It would make bets with me, such as, I bet you a penny you can't make it to the top of the stairs. I don't really think there was a certain amount of time or anything. As I said, I was very little, so I probably didn't have any counting abilities anyway. I recall just sitting at the top of the stairs having conversations with this voice about the betting, of course. Eventually, the voice, 
it was like a whisper of a man's voice, not my own voice in my head, started to make me bet with my life. Instead of pennies, he would say, I bet you your life you can't make it up the stairs. As I got older, it stopped. I never really thought about it at all. I never mentioned it to anyone. Until one night I was sleeping over at my brother's place. I was about 18, he was about 22. And we were talking about spooky stories. Out of nowhere, I brought up the voice at the top of the stairs and my brother got all quiet and weird. Before I even mentioned the betting aspect, he said, did it make bets with you? We both looked at each other horrified. It certainly was freaky after the fact. A lot of bad shit went down in my family at that period in my life. And my mother, a heavily religious lady, said that there was a lot of evil in our lives at that time. I don't at all think our place was haunted, by the way. It was built in the late 70s. And as I got older, I never experienced anything like that again. Impressively situated on its lofty throne and protected by steep cliffs, the once vast Cove Castle in Dorset is now little more than a hollow shell. Having crossed the stone bridge that spans its deep moat, you find yourself wandering amid stark monolithic columns or meandering through narrow corridors where ancient walls lean towards you at strange, almost threatening angles. It was William the Conqueror that began the castle, although King John turned it into the royal palace the ruins of which survive today. During the English Civil War, the redoubtable Lady Banks defended Cove Castle until she betrayed by one of her own garrison. We then started to destroy the edifice. They toppled its mighty walls and undermined its foundations until, within a short period of time, nothing but the hollow shell you see today remained. An aura of mystery soon descended over the bare ribs of the once regal pile, as people began to whisper of ghostly encounters amidst the mouldering ruins. Strange flickering lights were seen moving around the ramparts at night. The heart-rendering sobs of the weeping child can be heard amongst the ruins. But the most persistent of all the spectres that haunt the robust remains is the headless white lady, whose shimmering shade chills the blood of those who chance upon her, and they find themselves shivering and shaking until she turns and drift slowly away, fading into nothingness as she goes. When I was younger, my two siblings and I would spend summer weekends at my cousin's house. Their house was in this region that was pretty isolated and full of farmlands. I remember one day when I was maybe eight or nine, it was particularly hot. Their house didn't have air conditioning. While the temperatures cooled down at night, it was still uncomfortable. I was sleeping in my older cousin's room with my little sister, and I woke up in the middle of the night because it was too stuffy. I decided to go out and sleep in the living room because I had remembered that my aunt opened the windows and a sliding glass door so there was at least a breeze in circulation. I didn't know how long I had been asleep for, but I remember waking up what seemed like seconds later. Before I opened my eyes, I had a feeling that someone was watching me. I was facing the couch, and when I finally opened my eyes, I saw a little girl sitting across from me. She wore a dress that looked like it was from the 1890s, and her brushing, she was brushing her long, wavy hair. She was a bit transparent, but had a gold tint because of the street light that was shining in on her. 
I blinked and she put down her brush in her lap, smiled at me, did a little wave and mouthed, hello. I immediately shut my eyes, shot up and ran back into my cousin's room. I remember only being able to fall asleep because I convinced myself that it didn't happen. When it was the morning, I was the last to wake up. I walked into the kitchen where everyone was already eating breakfast. My older brother was in the middle of telling a story. Apparently he had woken up in the middle of the night too. He had gone into the living room and was woken by the feeling that someone else was there too. He saw the same little girl and ran away just like I did. I freaked out and told him about my identical experience. For over 1,000 years, Glamis Castle has towered over the Scottish landscape. The incredibly spooky exterior matches the hideous things that happen inside. Apparently, there's a grisly secret, known only to the incumbent, Lord Strathmore. This secret gets passed on to each male heir at its coming of age. What this secret might be is anyone's guess. One story tells of a workman who, during renovations, accidentally knocked through a wall to reveal a secret room. But he never said what was in there. Some say he was paid to keep quiet. Others say he was packed off to Australia. Another story is that a serving maid stumbled upon this terrible secret. Horrified, she threatened to expose it. As a result, the Earl ordered the guards to cut off her tongue. She broke free from her assailants to try to escape through the grounds, but they caught her and killed her. Her ghost is still seen, running and screaming silently with blood spilling from its mouth. Secret rooms are a theme of Glamis Castle. One of the rooms is said to house a deformed son during the 19th century. To protect the family from shame, he had to spend his whole life in hiding, but he was allowed to get some air on the roof at night where he was often spotted by villagers. A local legend grew out of these sightings about the monster of Glamis. In 1486, when the Ogilvy clan, short shelter from the Lindsay clan, joined a feud, the Earl politely let them into a secret room in the cellar. He then locked the doors and walked away. Unfortunately, the Earl was working with the Lindsay clan. Weeks later, someone else ventured down there to open the door. They found one member of the clan remaining, barely alive. He had to cannibalize his own family in order to survive. Another darker presence lurks about the castle. Children have been awoken in the night by a terrifying sight of an armored knight leading. leading. Another darker presence lurks about the castle. Children have been awoken in the night by the terrifying sight of an armored knight leaning over their beds. Known as Earl Birdie, he's thought to be one of the early lords of Glamis remembered as a very nasty character. A story is told that he gambled with the devil and lost his soul. Some nights, the Earl's ghost can be heard behind closed doors, shouting obscenities and rattling his dice. The family chapel, with its frescoed ceiling and wood panelling, is a tranquil heaven. Just don't mind the strange grey lady who walks from the chapel while saying your prayers. Whoever witnessed her thinks she's the ghost of Lady Janet Douglas. He was charged with plotting to murder James V of Scotland. Despite finding no evidence, James burned up the stake for witchcraft in 1537. Many more apparitions are recorded. A variety of ghostly faces appear at windows. A bent old woman carries a bundle to the middle of the courtyard and disappears. 
a black servant boy, brutally hunted to death by an earl and his guests, stalks the corridors evermore. Screaming sounds suddenly issue from empty rooms, and hammering noises pierce the silence of the night. A female guest was walking by hammering one night. When she mentioned it the next morning, he asked her not to be quit again. Just before the 13th Earl of Strathmore died in 1904, he confided to a friend that the secret glamour was so horrifying that if his friend knew it, he'd get on his knees and give thanks that it wasn't his secret to keep. Just before the 13th Earl of Strathmore died in 1904, he confided to his close friend that the secret of Glamis was so horrifying that if he knew what it was, he would get down on his knees and give thanks that it wasn't his secret to keep. I was about eight years old. This was my first paranormal experience and it freaked me out to this day. My best friend had a wealthy grandmother in Essex, England. She had a three-story Victorian house, which I stayed often at. There was one time that I stayed there after school. It was around 5 p.m. and we were there alone waiting for her mum to pick us up. We were bored in the house, so we decided to look in the third floor cupboards. There were lots of random empty diaries and notebooks, and we took them to the treehouse that was at the end of the garden and played with them by writing rubbish in them and pretending to be bookkeepers and shopkeepers, etc. Treehouse was like a five minute walk away from the back entrance because the backyard was huge. As we were playing in a little treehouse, we both heard her mum's voice coming from the house saying, girls, girls, it's time to go. Come on, let me in. Didn't expect her for at least another hour, so this confused us both. We reluctantly walked through the backyard and into the house. We kept hearing, girls, girls, let me in. It's time to go home. There's also a loud banging at the front door. We were cautious and looked through the front window we went to answer the door and we noticed that her mum's car was not in sight and we couldn't see who was behind the door banging. We both freaked out and ran to hide upstairs in the third story wardrobe. The banging stopped after about five minutes but we both stayed up there for a good half an hour until my friend's brother came home and opened the front door himself. This entity had taken on the voice of my friend's mum and was asking to let us in. We almost did. One night when I was 10, I was woken up by my bedroom door opening, followed by somebody sitting on my bed. I thought my leg was grazed and the bed sink under a person's weight. It's just my mum, I thought, and opened my eyes. But it was not my mum. I saw an eyeless boy. He had black, empty sockets. He was about my age, sitting at the foot of my bed. 
He extended his hand, and in it was a little box. I was startled, but I reached out, but he pulled back. I reached again and said, give it. Then I blinked, and when I opened my eyes, he was gone. But I could still see the imprint where he'd been sat on my bed. Fast forward five years. My girlfriend came over to do homework, and after she finished, she went for a nap while she waited for her parents to pick her up. When they arrived, I tried to wake her up, and she opened her eyes and looked up at a corner where the wall at the ceiling. She pointed and went back to sleep. I shook her again. She came to full consciousness and I explained what she had just done. She looked haunted. Up on the wall, she said, I saw a little boy with no eyes. He was there in the Spider-Man pose, staring at me. I freaked out and I told her my story from five years before. Fast forward another five years. I was with the same girlfriend and we had a two-year-old. We were living in my parents' house at the time, in my old room. My daughter started waking up at the same time, every night, and she would talk. After a while, I noticed that she had almost the same conversation every single night. I playfully asked her once who she was talking to, and she said, It's a little boy. He's nice. He's lost and looking for his mummy. My daughter's night conversations continued, until we got our own place later that year. Never did find out who that black eyed boy was. When I was seven or eight, I was at my grandmother's house for Christmas and played hide and seek with some of my cousins. Most of us were staying the night, but for some reason no one ever stayed in the fourth bedroom. It was around 8pm and my turn to count, so I went into the fourth room to do so. I sat on the bed, closed my eyes and counted to 20. When I opened my eyes, there was light out. I closed my eyes at night, counted to 20 and somehow 12 hours had passed. Of course, the immediate thought was that maybe I just fell asleep. I'll refute that with three points. Firstly, why didn't my Cummins come and get me if I failed to seek them out? Second, it was cold in that house. We wouldn't sleep unless we, there was multiple people in the bed under several blankets, at least one of which was usually electric. I can't imagine sleeping through the night in that kind of cold without some kind of covering. And third, there was no way my parents wouldn't have bothered to come and find me before they went to sleep. And when they did find me, they wouldn't have left me there, especially without a blanket. I can't tell you what happened. Maybe I had some sort of strange memory lapse that just happened to begin and end in the same location. Maybe the simulation lagged. Maybe I really did skip 12 hours. All I can say for sure is that something happened that night and I've never been able to explain it. Throughout Latin America, you'll hear variations of the story of La Llorona, or the Wailing Woman. Sometimes she lost her husband. Sometimes she's lost her children. Sometimes it's both. But in La Parva, a ski spot in the Chilean Andes, the wailing woman is named Lola, and everyone in the area swears that they knew her before she died. A local restaurant owner said that he dated her, adding that the ski patroller he heard the story from pointed at the exact hut where his tale takes place. The story starts on a nice day in peak ski season. The story starts on a nice day in peak ski season. Lola had a young son planned to spend the day on the slopes. 
As can happen in the Andes, a thick fog rose up from the valley, which often precedes the arrival of a real storm. The clouds enveloped the two as they were breaking their way down from the top of the mountain, and they lost contact with one another. Desperate to find her son, Lola began screaming his name as she ran through the thick fog. Unable to see clearly though, she stumbled down a steep slope and began sliding towards a rocky couloir. By chance, a local lift operator who was returning to his cabin came across her body. He was afraid she was dead, but on closer inspection he found she was still alive but just barely. Her body was covered in lacerations from sharp rocks and the only words she said in the faintest whisper was her son's name. The lift operator worked to carefully pull her body to his cabin, which was just up the hill. He bandaged her cuts as best he could and ran to fetch the doctor. Together, the doctor and the lift operator made their way back to the hut. Together, the doctor and lift operator made their way back to the hut, the fog hanging thickly in the air. When he arrived though, the bed was empty. Just the bloody sheets remained. Ne- neither the woman nor the, her son were ever found. But local reports, hearing her wail for her child, whenever they're near that lift operator's cabin. When Brad Culp was a student at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, there was a rumour that the town was one of the most haunted places in America. When Culp started an on-campus magazine, he couldn't wait to write about several of the area's most famous phantoms. Not long after the story published though, he kept finding himself thinking about one ghost in particular, the ghost of Oxford Milford Road. As the story goes, many decades ago, probably sometime in the 1940s, there's a young man caught in a young woman in the rural part of town. Because the woman's parents didn't approve of the match, each night he visited under the cover of darkness. After her parents went to bed, the young woman would sneak out of her farmhouse and flash the lights of her parents' car three times. Then her young suitor would ride his motorcycle down the road. One night he took the turn right before her house a little too sharp. The motorcycle went one way, he went the other. His injuries were so severe that he did not survive. Rumour has it, however, that his love-struck ghost still haunts this stretch of Milford Road. Curious, Culp, his girlfriend at the time and a friend decided to head out there one night to see if they could verify the tale. His girlfriend was worried and seemed completely freaked out. She believes more in that stuff than I do, Culp says. But he was mostly concerned that his suspicions, that none of this would actually be true, would be confirmed. On this particular night, as Culp passed the abandoned farm, an idea came to him and he pitched it to his girlfriend. Though reluctant, she relented and Culp turned the short way into the farmhouse driveway. He killed the engine and flashed his lights three times. Suddenly, there was a single headlight that appeared three quarters of a mile down the road. They saw it started to come, going pretty slow. It kept coming and coming. My girlfriend was freaking out. It was coming closer and closer. As the collision seemed imminent, Culp turned on his car's lights. He expected to see a kid on the bike bailing out from his prank now that he'd been caught. But there was nothing there, the light was just gone. They got out of the car, they walked around trying to figure out what it was they could have seen. But they could not explain it. 
And if you're ever in Oxford, Ohio, consider parking for just a few minutes on Oxford Millard Road. Just a test, Your Honor. Pursuit of the Paranormal with Ash and Greg.